It happens in the blink of an eye. It felt like we just dropped out of the sky and hit the ground. Immediately inside the plane, total chaos. A moment in time that changes your life forever. When you see the pictures of the car, I don't see how anyone could survive. Often these moments are just the beginning of a new world for the people who experience them. And you know the outcome is going to be drastic, but yet you still know that you have to do it. Each episode of Just a Moment examines someone's life-changing experience and explores how they navigated through that moment to discover a new normal. And I see beauty now. This is me. I promise you will hear compelling, raw stories that may help you navigate through your own life's journey, if you'll give me just a moment. Hi everyone and welcome to Just a Moment. In this snap-a-selfie, post-on-Instagram world, we see a lot of perfect moments and beautiful people on social media. And I think we women in particular hold ourselves to impossibly high standards when it comes to our looks. So how do we build and maintain our confidence, our strength, our self-esteem when we don't appreciate the face we see in the mirror? Or if that face suddenly changes and we don't recognize it as our own? That's what happened to our guest today. McKenna Wrights was living her dream as a mom, wife, teacher, and coach when she faced a health diagnosis that changed her life in many ways. It's called alopecia, an autoimmune disorder that causes your hair to fall out. But the way McKenna navigated through that devastating moment and even changed her opinion about the definition of beauty is a lesson for all of us. I know you will be inspired by her story, which begins here in Northwest Ohio. McKenna grew up in Sylvania. I am proud of growing up in Sylvania. I went through Sylvania schools, kindergarten through 12th grade, graduated from Northview. I went to Highland Elementary, McCord Junior High, and then Northview High School. And my dream was to come back and actually teach and coach at Northview because what an impact Sylvania had on me. And I wanted my family to grow up in Sylvania and have my family. And that's what exactly where we reside. My husband's from California and I kept him here. Uh, we met in Toledo and I kept him here because I love everything about Sylvania. I loved my upbringing and I want to create that same experience for my daughters. Um, you know, grew up at high, going to Highland Meadows Country Club or Golf Club every summer. I was an avid swimmer, swam for both Highland Meadows and Tsunami for 10 years, played softball for Coach Cridle and, um, you know, and then got into volleyball. And I started playing volleyball in sixth grade for the Sylvania Rec. And who would have not thunk that it would be my ticket to play in college and, you know, won some championships uh, for Northview and had the opportunity to play in college at Hope College in Holland, Michigan where I got to play four more years, won some championships there and got my degree in education. Uh, you know, I had my mindset um, in fourth grade. I had a wonderful teacher named Mrs. Mike Sell and she changed my life and I wanted to change lives just as she had changed mine. My mom was also a teacher. So I too, that's, you know, a big reason why I became a teacher is to do exactly that. One of the things you can say about Sylvania, right? No matter what school you go to, I think uh, people have amazing teachers here and you have 
students that feel that way about you now, talk about what you're doing right now. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm not teaching in Sylvania. I'm actually teaching in Springfield. And the funny thing is, is that when I played at Northview, Springfield was our rival for volleyball. And now I'm teaching and coaching here. And I couldn't love it anymore. Uh, Springfield is a very tight-knit community that I have grown to love. And um, I've been teaching and uh, I teach AP psychology. And uh, so, and the funny thing is, is I actually was trained by Mary Spillis, who was uh, the AP psychology teacher at Northview when I was there. And so she was the one that trained me. So again, Sylvania comes through to bring us networking. Uh, I've been coaching varsity volleyball at Springfield for 16 years as well. And, you know, being able to be work with young adults and be able to teach them life and teach them character and be able to help them to be able to leave here after graduation as strong males and females to be able to be ready to take on the world and have the confidence and understanding and how to be an effective citizen within our community. Let's go back for just a moment. You met your husband here and you get married and he says, yes, I'll stay in Sylvania because I love you, McKenna. And you guys start to your lives together and you have a family. Yeah. So the great thing about keeping uh, my husband who Greg in Sylvania is that he coaches at Lord's university. And so we are true through and through Sylvania nights. Um, we love, you know, the aspect. And when we get to bring recruits in from all around the world, literally from Brazil to British Columbia, I mean, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, uh, Australia, um, we get to show them how beautiful Sylvania is. And they're saying, it's so green. Yes, we are the tree city. Um, but we, when we got together that when, before we even got married this is when he actually was the very first coach at Lords University and starting athletics there was a big deal uh, for Lords College at that time. And then we bought a house and um, we got married. And then in a year we found out we were pregnant with our first and um, our daughters are now eight and five. We have two girls, Carson and Maddox, who go to Sylvan Elementary, and they are actively involved with through Sylvania Rec or doing gymnastics or Toledo Ballet or um, or living in our gym. They are either in my gym or his gym, and so they are. Uh, I don't know if they're volleyballed out, but my daughter now plays volleyball for Toledo Volleyball Club, and I'm coaching that, um, which is a different type of coaching when going from varsity to third graders is very different and takes a lot of patience. But the fact that I get to work with my daughter, because this is the perfect time to be able to coach your daughter um, and I won't do it too much longer. Uh, just you want to create, you know, allow them to grow on their own. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. They're they're They keep us on our toes for sure. So you have this amazing career, this amazing husband. He has his amazing career. You guys are firing on all cylinders. You've got these two beautiful girls. And it was after you had your second daughter Mm -hmm. that you noticed something was happening. Tell me about that moment. Yeah, it's amazing. By 32, I had all my boxes checked. You know, I had my dream job, dream coaching job, master's degree, house, great husband, family. And I'm thinking, now what? What do I do? Well, <laughs> little be you know, so I know that life's going to take a major turn. Uh, so we had our youngest in May 2015. And I remember in July, we left for team camp. And I remember right here getting in the top of my forehead, uh, getting really itchy and red. I'm like, oh, this is weird. Didn't think much of it. And then season started August 1. Uh, teaching started 
aka stress started coming into my life. And I remember standing in this very own classroom and looking down in August and September and noticing that my, my shoulders were being covered with hair. I'm like, oh, I must be just going through that normal postpartum hair shedding. But then I'm like, wow, it's really excessive. So I went to see a dermatologist and the dermatologist said, there's a possibility you could lose all your hair. That, that's literally the last thing that any woman or any person ever wants to hear. And of course you WebMD it and you're looking like, oh my gosh, is it, oh my gosh, I could lose all my hair. And why, why did she think you might lose out? Like, what was it that she saw that made her think that? Well, they, you know, they did a lot of blood tests. They did, you know, every type of lab work and nothing was coming abnormal. Now I do have a thyroid issue, but that's been controlled since I was in fourth grade. I am anemic. Um, but again, that's been controlled, you know, so that's already been there. Um, and they said, well, it could be an autoimmune disease called alopecia. Like, huh. Okay. So they gave me some topical creams, um, said, let's use this. Let's do some women's Rogaine where I'm just going to be working it in and hoping that it kind of slows down the postpartum hair shedding to, you know, kind of rule, hopefully rule out alopecia. Well, then season ends. Um, and I talk about with stress, we go through three different levels of stress. You have the alarm stage and then the resistance stage. Well, then once season ended, my body basically said, always says, okay, you're done. Like you, I just shut down. Well, March for or March, November 1st, uh, we had our family pictures and I remember getting them back literally within a day. And I remember looking at my hair and just seeing how thin it was. And I could see my scalp and I had, for people that know me, I had the thickest, beautiful, brown, wavy hair that I've been known for since I was five years old. How long was it? Oh, it was below my shoulders, halfway down my arm. I mean, thick. Like I used to have to use like eight rubber bands just to keep a bun in my hair. I mean, it was unreal how much hair I had. Um, and little did I know that that'd be the last picture I'd ever take with hair. Uh, within a week and a half, uh, I remember standing in the shower and I'd be sitting there and my hands are just full of hair. And it literally felt strand by strand that my identity had been, was being ripped away from me. And the, the last thing I want to do was wash my hair. And I started to wear a headband because my hair had started to recede back. So I was wearing a headband to cover up as much as possible. I was putting my hair up in a ponytail to cover up bald spots in the back, using makeup and hair fibers to shake on just to dull the baldness. And again, I'm sitting in the very spot where I stood in front of my students. And I said, hey, guys, my hair is falling out. They don't really know what's causing it. And I'm going to start to look different. And that is the best thing I could have ever done in retrospect is being vulnerable and transparent, which has opened up so many doors for me since then. But it just gave an insight for my students, one, to know that we are real. We do have lives as teachers. You know, everyone goes through problems that you always feel like you're alone. And I'm being open and honest, but it allowed them to know as they're seeing me physically change, um, just to kind of give me some space because I needed space. I needed to figure out what was going on. Um, and probably by the end of November, 90% of my hair was gone. So this is kind of the elephant in the room, right? It's not, it's one of those things. It's not like some other illnesses or conditions that we might go through where you can hide it or it's not visible. This was something that you had no choice but to share with people because they were watching it happen. Absolutely. And I started to 
when I lost majority of my hair, I almost, if you think about a survivor, like the show, the survivor, the buff, I would literally put it on and I would cover my hair. Cause I didn't want to wear a scarf. Cause then I would be signifying that I have cancer. So I would wear the buff type of scarf, the cover head covering. And, but a lot of people didn't know what was going on and people literally thought that I was sick. And I think that was also the biggest, um, the, the biggest thing, obstacle that I was going through was that there was no reason. There was no reason. It's just an autoimmune disease that attacks your hair follicles and causes to fall out. Other than that, I am perfectly healthy. But in my brain, it was creating this electrical storm of there needs to be something physically wrong with me to explain this. And I think that was the hardest part of this journey besides looking different is that there's no cause. There was no reason for this. And so I went onto social media and I, you know, explained what was going on that I had alopecia and that um, I, thankfully I don't have cancer. Um, and, but that it's Did not you have a lot of people asking you if you were going through chemotherapy or, yeah, you know, I, I think I nipped it really quickly on social media. Um, but I heard the, my close friends knew what was going on. And so they said, Hey, just want to let you know, people are starting to question. And so I just said, all right, I'm going, I'm doing it. And, you know, social media gives us that opportunity, that platform to not have to stand in front of people publicly and say, I have alopecia or I have whatever, where you can just say, it and then people can start to understand and hear, but going to the grocery store, you know, I will just be walking around with a baseball cap on, or I had the scarf on and people would ask, they, they, they still do. Are you going through treatment? You know, can I pray for you? And I would say, no, I don't, you know, thankfully I don't, I have something called alopecia. Um, and at first it was really difficult. Um, but it's just like you said, is that what I've learned in this is that everyone has a journey. Mine's just visible. Everyone sees every bit of transformation that I've experienced where you might be experiencing something, but you get to just put on this beautiful smile and pretend like everything's okay. And I can't, I, because you can see it. And that was the toughest part in the beginning of the journey. Did you know what alopecia was? Had you ever heard of it before this started happening to you? I had actually had a male student who had, was bald, but you could tell that he shaved his head because he had a couple bald spots. And I had heard that he had alopecia. I didn't think anything of it. He's a guy, you know, like guys, but being a younger male, you don't see that as often, especially a high schooler. But other than that, had no clue about it, none. And what did you learn about it? When they explained to you that you have alopecia, how did they explain it? And what exactly is that? Okay, so they they explained it that just autoimmune disease that just doesn't like your hair follicles. That was it. And so I had a, I, I didn't have the greatest experience with the dermatologist, the first dermatologist that I went to. Um, and so I had to do a lot of research on my own. Um, and what alopecia is, there's three different types. It's just literally an autoimmune disease. Um, I am not thankfully compromised. I would only be compromised because of course, when COVID hit, I was worried of being compromised of having an autoimmune. Um, I would only be compromised if I'm taking medication to attempt to grow my hair back. And I'm way past that, I've been done with that. Um, so I'm not compromised at all, I'm perfectly healthy. Uh, but there's three different types. There's alopecia areata, which is just literally sp bald spots on your head. So it could just be random spots. It could be, you know, small spots, the size of a quarter to, you know, a baseball size or anything bigger. And then there's totalaris, which is loss of hair on your entire head. 
And then there's universalis, which is loss of hair on your entire body. And that's what I have. So um, a couple months later, my eyebrows started to go, my eyelashes started to fall off. And it wasn't until like two years ago when I find when I realized that I don't even have nose hairs, like literally no nose hairs. Are you kidding me? And but you know, it's it's crazy what you continue to still learn, but you know, there's silver linings. I don't have to shave anymore, spend time shaving anymore. It takes me five minutes to get ready in the morning. I can go to the gym and be in and out of the house within 20 minutes. Um, don't have to worry about the rain getting my hair wet. So I've been able to find the silver linings, which has been nice. But um, yeah, it was a lot of research. They said, you know, go, there's a lot of support groups on Facebook. That was the last thing you should ever do. They, there was so much pessimism going on in those. I'm, and especially at that time was not good. I did have the opportunity to go up to University of Michigan um, to see a specialist. Um, and I remember that was end of November. And I remember getting the phone call again in this classroom. And I went down the hallway and I'm thinking, this is, this is it. Like this is, they're going to do it. They're going to, they're going to get my hair back. And I went up to University of Michigan and it was a terrible experience. I, it was the walking into that building one, it was really just stark and cold. And then the doctor, when I went, it was in one, it needs to be renovated. That was one thing. But when the doctor came in, there was not much bedside manner, not much empathy for what I was experiencing. And they said, there's nothing we can do. You could take a medicine, but it could cause liver failure. I'm like, well, that's not gonna happen. Other than that, we, there's nothing we can do. I'm like you're, I mean, it crushed me. It crushed me. Is there, did they give you, is there ever a time when your hair grows back if you have alopecia? Like could, could you lose it and then it would come back again sometime? Um, there's a lot of research research that shows that the later you lose it in your life, the higher probability of it just randomly popping back. So like I could see on my arm, like I'll see some arm hairs. That's not the place you want to grow hair, but I'll see it and then it'll fall out. Um, but usually an alopecia does not discriminate. It does not discriminate against gender, age, ethnicity, religion, nothing. So it could happen as young as two years old, male or female, uh, you know, black, white, whatever. Um, and it can happen at any point in your life. So once you knew the hair wasn't coming back, did you start wearing a wig? Ironically, um, on that day in Ann Arbor, my husband and I, we were going to go enjoy Ann Arbor. I mean, Ann Arbor is a great town and we were going to have a date day and, you know, celebrate that we just got to go to Michigan. And I couldn't, I was in full blown out tears. Just that, that light was gone the candle had been blown out. And I told my husband, take me to UTMC because they have the wig shop there. And I said, let's do it. And I walked in and I walked right back out because I wasn't ready because I felt that if I got a wig, I was accepting my hair was going to be gone and there was no hope left. And so of course I was in denial, you know, and I was trying to hold on and I was praying that I would just wake up, my hair would be back or I'd be perfect. I would throw be GI Jane, Demi Morris, GI Jane, and just rock out the bald, but I couldn't, I just, my mindset wasn't there. And it wasn't until spring break of 2016. So four months later, when I finally went with my mom to a wig shop, um, that my, my good friend, uh, Rhonda, who was my principal at the time gave me, you know, where to go. And I went and I bought my first wig and it was weird, but I put it up into a ponytail, put a headband on and I felt somewhat normal and I could hide. I could walk through the grocery store without people looking at me um, because I was—I had such an internal conflict going on with myself 
where my mom's like, just be free. I couldn't, I couldn't. And that's the thing is that when people experience life challenges and it could be that the same challenge, everyone experiences differently mindset wise, their support group. And so that's what we need to understand is just being there for someone is exactly what everyone needs because everyone learns how to ride a bike so differently. It's the same thing with life challenges. So you were wearing this wig and you were just thinking to yourself, this is going to be my life. And then you take this trip to Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. It, Tell me about that. Yeah. So when I discovered the National Alopecia Areata Foundation, uh, the biggest thing I realized is that they do team up events. So September is National uh, Alopecia Awareness Month and they do team up events with Major League Baseball teams. Well, I'm a huge Indians fan. Huge. Like my family is from Cleveland. We're big Indians fans. And so I got to team up with them and uh, do an awareness game. I do it with the Toledo Mud Hens. I do it with the Toledo Walleye. And I started to this awareness part of me of where I, I want to bring educate. I want to educate people. So when people look at me, they're not thinking I'm dying. They're thinking, oh, she might have alopecia. Well, they have a national conference every year. And I told my mom, I said, I want to go. And it was in Seattle. I've never been to Seattle before. So two birds with one stone, let's go. And so my mom went with me and I think it was actually more impactful for her than me because we were surrounded by people, either they had alopecia themselves, their parents of friends of people who have alopecia. And so it gave me time to be around people to realize that I'm not alone. I'm not the woolly mammoth living in a society that the only one who has alopecia when in all actuality, it affects 7.1 million Americans, but it helped my mom to talk with other moms because my mom has been my rock, has been my reason ever since birth has shown me what a strong woman is mentally, emotionally, and physically, and that it's okay to be weak because that's when we're strong. But she felt so, and has helped, felt so helpless. She just wanted to help me and she couldn't solve this problem. Yeah, no matter how old our kids get, they're still oh. always our kids, right? Exactly. So I mean, she tells me, I'm her baby. You know, she says that all the time. And so she, it was really impactful for her to be, just to hear from, knowing that she wasn't alone. And that, and that was the crazy thing. And I remember we went on Friday, I was wearing my baseball cap because I still hadn't gone out in public. This was four years now. I still hadn't gone out ball. And Saturday morning, I went and worked out and working out. I said, today's going to be the day. I'm going to do it. I'm gonna walk out bald. I said, there's no better time, no better place, surrounded by people who truly understand what I'm going through. And I walked back in the hotel room and I told my mom, I'm gonna do it. She's like, are you sure? I said, yep, I'm gonna do it. And I walked out of that hotel room without a hat on. Now it was in my purse, just in case, that security blanket, um, but I walked out and it was the scariest moment of my life. And I wanted to throw up all day. It, it, I remember getting on that, that, uh, that elevator and I press, we were on floor eight, I press ground floor. Wouldn't you know that elevator stopped at every floor and someone got on every time. And I'm like, no, I just wanted one ride down all by myself to experience this. But it, you sometimes you need to be flooded. You just need that exposure. And um, I haven't turned back since. That That was the defining moment for me right there. So when you walked out of that elevator and when you were walking around the hotel, walking around the convention with other folks who had been, uh, had experience with alopecia themselves or in their families, what was that feeling for you? 
nerve wracking. Um, my, my heart wanted to explode. Um, but through this experience, what I've realized is that we can't compare our journeys to one another. And I wasn't comparing myself to anyone else saying, oh, you know, they can go out bald. I was inspired by them. They were my reason. And then to see people who had seen me the night, the day before and saying, they were just encouraging me like, yes, we're so proud of you. And that right there. But then also thing that I wasn't the outcast. I fit right in and it was beautiful. And I felt liberated. I felt this ton of bricks just lifted off my chest. And I remember not just being inside surrounded by people, but literally walking outside was more difficult than walking out that elevator, literally going out into sunlight and my bald dome experiencing sunlight for the very first time on, you know, being in Seattle and being on Lake Washington. And just, I took a big deep breath in and I, I felt free. It was, it was surreal. Being there among people who kind of understand it might give you a little more courage or to, you know, be able to make you feel uh, very safe. How did it translate when it, when you came back to Sylvania? How did you keep that mindset going for yourself? Yeah. I did find myself uh, still wearing my hat a little bit more often. You know, you kind of, you, you're away from your comfort zone. Um, but little by little, I, I remember walking into Kroger for the very first time and I wanted to cry, but I did it. And I, cause I felt I was missing something. I was missing, I was obviously missing my hair, but I was missing my hat. I was missing my wig. And, um, I remember, I think it was actually around that time. I remember being in the car and I had worn a wig and I got in the car with my family. I took the wig off and my daughter at the time was probably three and a half or so and said, mommy, I can't wait to be an adult and take my hair off too. <laughs> and that was exactly what I needed to hear is that that's how my daughter sees it. Like how cool you get to take your hair off. I can't wait to do that too. And that, you know, just was such a magical moment in my life. And I will never forget sitting there. And I sat down with my volleyball team and I said, Hey guys, I'm really thinking about starting the school year bald. What do you think? I needed that validation. As women, we need validation. Unfortunately, as much as we say we don't, we do. And they said, coach, we've been waiting for this forever. We are so behind you. And that right there said, I'm doing it for them. I'm doing it for me. I'm doing it for my daughters. And I, I showed up to work for our professional development day for the very first time walking through the hall. And I remember just walking. I just keep doing this. I just keep touching my head, like trying to cover it up, but I didn't. And I took my ID picture bald. That was the first, you know, it was, it just kept escalating, escalating, but every day it got a little bit easier and a little bit easier. And December, 2019 was the very last time I've worn a wig. I have not put one on again. What was the reaction of your students at school aside from the volleyball team? Yeah. Um, you know, everyone, I think everyone in school knew because I then, you know, I had a brown wig and then I'm like, well, let's get a red wig and then let's get a blonde one. Let, I've never highlighted my hair dyed. Let's have fun. And so when I'd show up at the blonde, I, the, the kids loved hearing how many wigs I had and having conversations. I was 100% open about it. And, um, you know, of course, though, I'm starting off with new students in my classroom. And I could either, I had two options, either not talk about it and just move on with the regular day 
or let's talk about the elephant in the room, or let's talk about the bald head in the room. And that's what I love about teaching AP psychology is I get to teach about life and that life doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. And so I am trying, I want to empower my students through my story and empower others to be able to take these life challenges that everyone's experienced, whether they're mountains or molehills, is that we can find the silver linings, that we can turn them into gifts and opportunities to be able to live a life full of clarity and confidence. And so we just talked, I allow, I'm like, ask me any questions. And at first they're nervous. They're really nervous. You know, and I'm a joker, you know, I sitting at my desk and, you know, some girls would be talking about they're having a bad hair day. And I remember looking at them and be like, you think you're having a bad hair day? And they're like, oh, coach, I'm so sorry. I'm like, if you can't have fun with situations, then life's going to be much, you have to have, you know, see light. And, you know, that's it. So it's just allowing for transparency and vulnerability within the classroom and within the school and allowing them to become more transparent and vulnerable. And I think you're right. Alopecia is not necessarily something that everybody's even heard of. So a lot of people are able to be educated by you yes. as you go through this. And that has been something that's been important to you, not just with your students, but with everyone, right? Yes. And you have found ways to get involved and help raise awareness about this. Tell me about that. Yeah. So like I said, I have been, you know, teaming up with, I just got off the phone with the Toledo Mud Hens today. Uh, I'm going to continue that tradition. Hopefully that they're allowed more fans in this year. Um, but it's just bring, bringing awareness. And now this was the best story. A friend of mine who is also a volleyball coach, um, she went through an experience and was diagnosed with breast cancer, um, was going through chemotherapy. She has beaten it and she is rocking it and she is living life full and is doing amazing now. But she texted me and said, you're never going to believe this. I went to the grocery store and I had someone come up to me and ask, say, do you have alopecia or are you, do you have cancer? And I threw my hands up in the air saying, yes, no. Like they didn't immediately look at the negative of someone and just thought maybe they have alopecia that she's like, what you're doing is working. And I said, yeah, I just, and it's not necessarily just educating about awareness, but bringing positivity into our lives of being able to take a step back that if someone's driving down 475, like a crazy person and thinking, oh, what a jerk they are. What if there was an emergency? And we immediately think, uh, and, and we do it implicitly, unfortunately, but if we can tr start training it little by little. Um, and so, you know, I've done Toledo Mud Hens, Toledo Walleye, Cleveland Indians, um, I, Lord's University, Springfield Athletics. Um, we had a rocket for alopecia. I teamed up with Janelle Massey from her husband as the associate head coach at University of Toledo. We had a huge event um, in last January. Thankfully, before everything hit, um, we're going to have a golf outing this year at Highland Meadows. Um, but it's just more to bring awareness, to educate people. And then at the same time, we're bringing more awareness to the foundation because there are 7.1 million Americans are affected by it, but there's only about 100,000 that really know about National Alpecia Area Foundation. And I wish I would have found it sooner. Um, and maybe it would change my journey. I wouldn't change anything about my journey because I'm, I love who I am and I love where I'm at. But um, anything I can do to support that foundation who's changed my life, I will do it. Every time I see you or see a picture of you, McKenna, I just always think uh, you look so strong to me. And that's the first thing that I think, you know, but 
for people who are just listening to this and have not seen you, and I will put a picture of you on my website so they can see what you look like, but you are a beautiful woman and you have your lips perfect and your eye makeup looks beautiful. And for somebody that doesn't have eyebrows, you have the most perfect eyebrows I've ever seen. Blessford microblading. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> microblading was, it's changed a game changer. That's for sure. But thank you. you look amazing. So talk to me a little bit about it because I do think, you know, Hair is something that's difficult when you work with, you know, women um, who are going through chemotherapy. It's the first thought that comes up, right? We're all kind of attached to it or feel some kind of emotional way about our hair for some reason. Do you look in the mirror now and just see your beautiful self or are you still missing the hair? Um, to be honest, even when I did have hair, I could never look in the mirror and see beauty. As females, we are so hard on ourselves. And it wasn't until a few months ago where I finally could stare in the mirror and I stared and I see beauty now. This is me. Hair doesn't identify me. It is my character that defines me. That when people hear my name, I hope they're thinking of that she's empathetic and passionate and relentless and is a leader and is a mother and a coach and a teacher. And if you noticed, those words that I just used to describe myself that hopefully people describe me, not one of those are physical characteristics. And that's the same for anyone who has hair or not, is that when people think of you, and when they think of Chris Pearson, they're thinking strong woman, you know, we, you know, just, I remember seeing you in the grocery store and be like, wow, she's amazing. And it has nothing to do with physical characteristics. It has everything to do with your character. And we have to remember that, that subconsciously we tell ourselves that our hair is our identity. No one in this world has sat down and say, your hair is your identity and you need to make sure that you are always known for that. That's never happened. We do that to ourselves. And then you bring in social media and us starting to compare ourselves to the 1% of other people's lives that we're seeing. And if we can stop comparing and continue being inspired by them, then you know things can change. But to answer your question, I, I do see beauty. This is me. This is who I am. And I changed it from saying, I want to have my, you know, having hair back. I want to do this. I'm, I am. I am enough. I am worth it. I am beautiful. And that's, I still can't, like, it's weird for me to say it, but I am. I believe it. I believe it 100%. I can't imagine ever putting a wig on again. I can't imagine ever taking a picture with a wig because that's not me anymore. Yeah. And so it's, it's been a beautiful journey, hard journey but when I would never turn back. In some ways, a journey that would be helpful to all of us, especially women, right? Mm -hmm. Who are, we kind of second guess ourselves and think those things. I wanna ask you about your husband and his reaction and how he has been through all of this because I know that had to probably be a concern as you were starting this. Oh yeah, I mean, not only have you fallen out of love with yourself, but you're concerned with your significant other are they still going to love me? And my husband, if people know my husband, he doesn't have much hair anyways. He's been bald forever. Um, but he said to me, and this was in the very beginning, he said to me, McKenna, it's just hair. And I was so upset with him because he didn't understand what hair means to women. 
but it hasn't been literally until this past year where I can look back and think he literally meant it's just hair that he still loves me unconditionally and supports me hair or no hair. He fell in love with me and it's not through thick and thin because we have life challenges, daily hassles all the time, but that he truly loves me. And that, you know, having him, having my parents, having my close friends, that unconditional support system around me um, is what made me get up every single day. And I'm very blessed. And the two of you have um, started, I know you have started speaking in public about this and the two of you have started a leadership podcast of your own, right? We have, we have, we started, uh, it's called Challenge Yourself Lead uh, Coaching and Leadership Podcast. Uh, between us, we have 40 years of leadership experience and we want to help out those from 14 year olds to uh, inspiring entrepreneurs to CEOs to veterans in their field that as leaders, we never stop growing. We always want to learn from one another. And so what we do is we interview people in different positions, different leadership positions. And I think they're more, this, we're doing this more selfishly for us because we grow every single time we've learned something and taken a lot away from it and go and implement it into our classrooms or into the gym or into our student athletes every single time. And then we hear other people hearing, it's like, oh, wow, I took this. That's what we just need to do. We just need to have these unscripted conversations with people and learn about them. So for example, we got to interview Randy Ostra. I mean, you think of Randy Ostra and he is a head of ProMedica. He's top one of the top 100 healthcare professionals. And you think he's up on this pedestal. No one's on a pedestal. We are all on the same playing field. He just happens to have some letters after his name, but he had a tough upbringing and we got to learn about that. And that's the thing is that we have to understand is that we've all had life challenges. We all have battles. We all have a story and we just need to continue learning from one another. And so it's, it's been a fun, fun uh, adventure so far together. Yeah. Fun to work with your husband on that. Yep. Oh, it's, it's great. And it's amazing because we bounce off one another and you know, the, we actually talked with um, Ann Ebert last night from Cherry Street Missions on one, and it was basically almost like a marriaging council therapy session for us. We're like hitting each other, like, oh my gosh, like what she is saying. It was it was so fun, and we'll just sit there and laugh, and you know, and he is the yin to my yang. He is an introvert. I'm the extrovert, but it works out so perfectly. Yeah, you guys fit and complement each other. And you have that volleyball thing going as well, right? Thankfully, thankfully, because then you understand the passion that each of us has for the game and we support. So when he's on the road all the time, it sucks, but I'm there for him. And I understand, you know, because I support him through and through and I always will. And as he does for me. You alluded to this a little while ago when we were talking about getting the kids involved and helping them to see that the big picture of life and that there is more to life than just the little nitty gritty of high school and maybe looking beyond their own walls to how they can impact other people in a positive way. Tell me how you have been able to do that and the things that you've been involved in at Springfield to help the kids kind of see that. Yeah, um, Springfield is like I said, it is a very tight-knit community. Um, and what we are known for is our community service. We love to help out one another. Um, and my volleyball team, we probably do about 100 hours of community service 
a season, obviously not this last season, um, but we go to Seagate Food Bank, we Cherry Street Mission, um, we do fundraisers when there is the hurricanes, we do a charity scrimmage for the Ronald McDonald House. And the great thing is when, when we started to implement that, then my students and my student athletes started coming to say, hey, can we do this, this, and this? And it's just little by little, we're starting to expand their world because they are, they're living in a egocentric world where they are, do have the ability to see other people's point of view, but they're just so focused on them, which we can't fault them for because of every developmental aspect that they're experiencing. Um, but ironically, um, the same month that I started to lose my hair in November, 2015, um, I, to probably to keep my mind busy, I said to my AP psych students, I said, hey, let's do something together. Let's do some sort of service project together. And so we kind of brainstorm and I'm like, well, let's do a toy drive for the Toledo Children's Hospital. There's all these toy drives, but what about the children that are stuck in the hospital during the holidays? I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. We delivered 1500 toys and it was incredible. And when we brought them in, they're like, this is the most, we've never had this many before. And it was incredible. And every year my students get more and more excited about it and, you know, bring on a challenge. How can we make this bigger and how can we make this better? And so um, a toy drive that started in my classroom in 2015, in which both my daughters have now experienced full circle, ironically, um, we have now donated over the past six years, almost 40,000 toys. And this year we only did monetary donations because of COVID and we donated uh, over $6,200. Uh, yeah, so it's it's become part of our culture. And so they are starting to think about others and that altruism of having con the concern and the welfare of others before themselves. Um, and so being able to teach that and educate that and work on them being leaders of today, not, not, not tomorrow, we're focusing on today. And how can we build those characteristics, whether you are an introvert or extrovert, everyone is a leader. Everyone inspires each other through their actions, through their words, whatever it may be. And that's what I want my students to always know. Yeah, and we need each other, right? Because it might be me being strong today and I might need you to be strong for me tomorrow. What, what is it that you hope to leave with people when they hear your story, hear about your journey, when they see you walking down the street or see you on the sidelines at a volleyball match, McKenna, what is it that you want people to take away from you? Um, I, I want them to see strength, but I want them to immediately compare themselves to me. And I tell them not to compare, but I want them to understand that they're not alone, that everyone is going through something and that if she can do it, I can too but understanding it takes time. And I am not a patient person whatsoever. And I didn't want to take it time. I wanted my hair back. I wanted answers now, but I needed the last five years to play out exactly how it did in order to get to this point. And so I want others to realize, to be able to look for those silver linings in any situation. And sometimes there's only one, but sometimes you have to really dig deep to find that. And once you find that one positive, it creates more neuronal connections and it creates more routes to release that dopamine and to feel so much better about yourself. And so if you can turn that life challenge and transform it into a gift and opportunity for you to create something new, that's what life's all about. And so that's how I, I hope to empower people through that. 
I hope to empower women to know that our, our, our hair is not our identity, it is our character that defines us. And just, we need to hear it over and over and over again. Um, you know, it's, it's just practicing, it's repetition, and just telling ourselves that we are enough. I am enough. There were several important takeaways for me during McKenna's interview. First, navigating through a life-changing moment takes time. It was more than four years from the time McKenna's hair started falling out to the time she was able to find the courage at that convention to take off the hat and the wigs and show her bald head in public. We have to remember to give ourselves the time, patience, and grace that our moments require. Second, accepting ourselves. And I will say not only accepting, but celebrating who we are. Wouldn't it be great if we looked in the mirror and saw all the beauty and character we possess on the inside? We are taught that as kids, but somewhere along the line, many of us lose that lesson. McKenna's strength, compassion, and passion shine through her, and that's what has always made her beautiful to others, with or without hair. I also loved her willingness to be vulnerable in front of her students and others. That vulnerability is a gift to ourselves because it builds our self-worth, but it also builds trust with others and helps us gain empathy and understanding. McKenna has also found the courage to share her story in even bigger ways. She just gave a TED Talk this spring. She has started a golf outing to raise money and awareness for alopecia. And you heard her talk about her podcast with her husband. It's called Challenge Yourself. You can learn more at McKennaWrites.com. I've put a link in the episode description to make it easy for you. If you found a moment of inspiration in McKenna's story, please do share the podcast and subscribe. I have many more amazing stories to share with you on just a moment.